Good afternoon, fellow gooners, and welcome to another episode of Can Talk. I'm your small name, because as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Arsenal vs Newcastle, and then Saints squared, who we discussed on this podcast today. Um, first up, Arsenal against Newcastle. Um, we've been a tricky affair, you know, charging for the FA Cup game where they set out to stall and were really tough to break down. Yeah, and I mean, look, both teams now this time around, uh, you know, went into the game. Uh, supposedly with a full strength side, Arsenal started with Leno, Cedric holding, Luis Tierney. The holding mids, or yeah, box to box mids, would be then Party and Chaka, uh, Saka, uh, Smith Rowe, and Aubameyang leading the attacking side of the midfield, and then Lacazette leading the front line. What was your thoughts on the lineup? I was interesting to see Cedric getting a start ahead of Bellerin. And then it was also um, good to see Partey back in the lineup. But other than that, I think the team picks itself. I think Arsenal looked always looks a threat with Kieran Tierney in, so it was good to have him back. And yeah, David Luiz, I mean, Marie's still out. I mean, is Gabriel still nursing his um, COVID? Or, or what is the reason probably even not starting? But either way, you know, David Luiz and Rob Holding seem to also have stuck a good relationship. Yeah, I mean, look, the game did start a bit, uh, not cagey, really. I mean, Arsenal did come forward, like, you know, come on the front foot, play the possession game. Newcastle were, you know, just chasing shadows at times and, and trying the high press. But, I mean, look, Arsenal's passing was almost like just going through the motions. But, I mean, it, it was almost like very, you know, both both teams really feeling each other out, even though it did look more positive like, as, a, as a gooner. But then, I mean, Arsenal in the, the first opportunity... Great uh, chance that uh, um, Bukaya Saka creates, setting up Aubameyang. And I mean, I really thought Aubameyang was just going to stroke the ball in on 15 minutes and he ends up, I don't know if he shanked the ball or something, but it ends up hitting the outside of the post. I mean, he hits the ball across the goal, I believe, and then it hits the outside of the post and it just goes away for a throw. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, this guy is lucky at any worse. I mean, you know, like everybody's trying to like set it on a play for him to score and, and it's just not... You know, he's not getting the rub of the green. It's good to see the team still, you know, trying to make things happen for him, even though it's not happening for him. They still, you know, haven't given up open. I think it's important that, you know, your teammates still try to, to do that for you. And, I mean, it's it just shows the respect he has in the team as well. But, I mean, then in between from, like, about, you know, 20th minute to, you know, pushing on to halftime, there was not really something to, you know, write home about. Because I was trying to also jot down, you know, little pointers of, you know, what really caught my eye or whatever in, in, in that little period. But there was really nothing because like you had this little bit of uh, build-up of gameplay going like from the halfway line. And then every time it would get so close to the box, the ball would either break down or a team, like, you know, either of the teams would now overpass or whatever. And then, you know, the position gets lost and the ball gets again to a midfield scrap again. So, I mean, the next real big uh, chance in comes on 44 minutes when... Dalo makes a good save of of Aubameyang's shot. I mean, it was a like you know a good shot, you know, going to the top corner. But uh, Dalo, who used to be a Newcastle number three, I believe, and now he's now you know head of uh, Dubravka, which is I find still a bit strange, but okay. And I mean, he pulled off a, a good save, you know, going into halftime, and we say it, no, no. Yeah, I think the the, the worries were happening again. Not scoring at the Emirates against Newcastle in the FA Cup, you know, not scoring only well, 90 minutes at least, yeah. and not scoring against um, South, uh, Crystal Palace. 
I, I think, you know, we were thinking to ourselves, Flip, you know, we can't throw away points again after, you know, we kind of getting ourselves back. I wouldn't say into a top four scrap, but, you know, vying for those European places, it's so congested at the top that it takes a run of two to three games and suddenly, you know, you you higher in a league than you are. So I think, you know, it was up to Ateta to just get the guys fired up at all time. How many do you think before Christmas, uh, you know, teams look like out of sight to us? And I mean, look now, like after this past week now, we are, we something like, what, 30 or 4 points behind Chelsea now? And I mean, Chelsea's just tanking at the moment. So, I mean, it's now to play catch up on everybody else. Because I think, I mean, the way I'm actually going about it, I mean, I'm not sure how you are doing it. But I mean, for me, it's like every time I'm now watching, okay, West Ham is now next in our sights. Now we're going to have to just focus on, you know, edging them for that uh, ninth spot now. And then I think afterwards, then, the, you know, the more or the better the run gets with us, if we, if we can, you know, go any better. Because, look, we're still going to have some uh, tough fixtures also coming up. But I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, now you start, ch- you know, just chipping away on that thing. So, but not, you know, where you're thinking, oh, yeah, top four is going to be the, you know, the be all to end all. But I mean, I'm just thinking now, okay, next stop now, ninth spot. If we can, you know, overcome um, the next game, then we can start aiming a bit higher again. You know, actually, we're two points behind Chelsea, believe it or not, because I think they lost to Leicester after, I think, on Tuesday or Wednesday. So, you know, we're not we're even better off than you expected. I mean, we're two points. I'm just going to give the, the context of the log. So, 27 points, Arsenal in 10th. Then we have Southampton, 29 points, but they have a game in hand. Chelsea, 29. And then, like you said, West Ham at 7th at seven with 32 points. So... You know, it's two teams in front of us which are, are in touching distance. And then, you know, once you get that, then you start looking up at, you know, West Ham and, and Everton. So, I think Arsenal have, uh, have done well to pull themselves back. I mean, I know in hindsight, you probably think, you know, we shouldn't have dropped points here and there. But focusing on the press, you can only beat what's in front of us now. I think, you know, Arteta had motivation at half time to fire up the troops to come back stronger against Newcastle. And I think, for me, party... And Jaka were big standouts, even in that first half, even though there was a big presence, it was more like them winning that midfield battle. Because I think you still messaged me prior to the after, or actually during the half-time period, where you were actually telling me also, you know, something that stood out for you was that that little intercepts they were constantly making. You know, party was doing it. At times it looked like, you know, kind of lost cause, and he, like somehow just get a foot in and nick the ball of, of people, you know, the creative ones of Newcastle, like Shelby and them. Or Xhaka, who, who was almost like, he, like his timing was getting spot on with the intercepts, the, you know, even his uh, array of passing also. He, I mean, I think once or twice he did try that, what I call the expansive pass. But I mean, afterwards he curbed that, kept it basic. And I think, as you said now, they were not probably fired up second half. And I mean, the, the you could actually see the, the positivity from the first whistle in the, like, in the second half, where... Uh, Dala was in immediately forced, I think, 47 and he's forced into a, a save from Lacazette. No, definitely. I think the combination of Smith-Rowe, um, Xhaka and, and, and Party helps because I think Smith-Rowe adds and that he, his legs in the midfield because you see him defending, you'll see him making a tackle even at the back and you'll see him bursting forward where Xhaka in the past would have to have done that. I wouldn't say you have to be the attacking role but you have to be more mobile. I think Smith Rowe's mobility and work that kind of works to Xhaka's strength so Xhaka can keep and do what he does best, you know, kind of intercepting and just um, 
anchoring the midfield of Fighty and, and Smith Rowe is doing the, the hard yard. So I think second half, like you said, you definitely saw Arsenal come back tougher and harder and with intent. And I mean, I think another one also under you've you know credit to also. I mean, I know we've been giving him loads of plaudits the last like three weeks to a month even. Is again Bakayo Saka where Saka where he's like uh, bringing out almost like a more positive way in in play with all, almost all our right backs that have now you know slotted in because Bellerin you see looking more confident with uh, Saka up front like or in front of him and now Cedric as well because I mean the the the, the sort of reading. Of you know where they, they allow the minute um, Cedric does this overlap run and, and same with with Ballard in the previous few weeks, then Saka almost like drops into a sort of I want to say right back position but almost like a right wing back. So in case there is a sort of break, then he can do like I mean he's got the legs to slot in at right back again to to do uh, you know as cover defense. But other than that, I mean the the sort of attacking it's like it's actually flowing on on the right yeah. side and it's it's flowing on the left because. Tierney and Aubameyang have almost like a telepathic um, reading of, or understanding because you don't see much of the talking. They already know where each other's runs are going to be. And remember, our attack was very lopsided to the left-hand side with when, when Tierney played kind of as a third left centre-back and then you had um, Saka and Aubameyang all on that side. And I think that's where our strength was laying. And, and, and I think why we kind of got... Um, stifled by a lot of teams because they knew you cut off that left-hand side and you smother Arsenal completely. But I think now you have giving teams much more to think about. You have a, a left-back in Tierney and Aubameyang now who will give you the runs. You have Saka and Cedric slash Balladin doing the same thing. And Smith-Rowe now kind of almost has had another damage. So you can't just leave players open and then you have party driving the team forward. Okay, he hasn't been there all the time with a change in form. But I think you're seeing that different combinations and on the field now where prior to that, William and Pepe were not adding anything. So you could leave them open because they weren't in the contract or anything. So I just think um, you could see how the different players are adding a new dynamic to the team, which is very exciting. Yeah. So the 50th minute and finally... Arsenal get the breakthrough. The ball breaks from a Newcastle attack. The ball, you know, gets smuggled out with the Arsenal team. Quick, slick passing. The ball gets then played out to Thomas Party. And I mean, I think this is what you, you know, almost like I've now got to see what you've always been talking now about about Thomas Party because he ends up, you know, just almost like bamboozling a few players in midfield, gets that burst towards the offer line, and then plays almost like this audacious sort of. I'm not sure if it was now outside of the foot or. You know, uh, uh, one of the bending uh, passes, but he just sprays this long-range pass to Aubameyang, who, you know, is already has the legs, already reads the situation, and and you know picks the ball up and starts you know doing this loping about 35 yards sprint towards the Newcastle goal. And I mean, by that time, by the time the defender comes to close him down, it's kind of too late. He does almost like a slight little shimmy, and I mean, he gets the goalkeeper was on his backside, and he plants the ball to the near post of the keeper, one 0 Arsenal. And I think it was just a very happy moment that Aubameyang could find the back of the net. I think he just needed that bit of confidence and belief in himself because, wow, he's been really struggling to find the net. And he, he, you could see his work, it has picked up, but it just wasn't happening for him. But, you know, happy for him that he found the back of the net. And, like you said, one all Arsenal. And I think when Arsenal go one up these days, they start, you know, dictating the game. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could see... 
Newcastle kind of, you know, rocked on the heels now because they thought, you know, it was like just seeing the game at 0-0, the more they could now frustrate us, the more maybe they couldn't, you know, get a, you know, the way we were punished in that, that real bad patch where we, yeah. you know, just try to set us up with a 0-0, say for the latter part of the game and then bang, you know, sucker punches. Um, on the hour mark, Smith Rowling takes on uh, LaSalle. You know, in it, almost like the, the, the way that we used to watch Robert Perez set people up, yeah. I mean, the Purcell is like not sure whether to, you know, close him down or, you know, just jockey him to, to the touchline. You know, Smith Rowe, in a matter of, I think, a few seconds, he just does like a little drop of the shoulder and he's passed. And, I mean, he ends up eating a 45 to Saka. And, I mean, he really lays on the play to his favorite uh, um, footy, footy pal. And, I mean, Saka buries the chance to no Arsenal. I think it was uh, such a good goal to be scored there. And uh, like you said, there's not we haven't seen such build-up play in a while now until his little Smith Rowe kind of was coming to the squad. It just shows what that kind of floating, attacking midfielder does to your game. I mean, look how he pulled out, out wide, intelligent run, and, you know, beating the player as well. And then still finding, looking up, finding uh, Saka. And, I mean, you know, I was a bit skeptical when he took the number seven jersey at the start of the season, but boy, does he deserve it. Yeah, so we move out, you know, with the 66-minute dollar, then again, makes a save from Lacazette, because, I mean, he was actually the busy, busy of the two keepers, although, I mean, every now and then, with, especially a team like Newcastle, you also have to be, you know, on your toes in case uh, a counter comes. Uh, 67 minutes, we then do make our first change, Thomas Party coming off, Aldini coming on, and I think at this part of the game, at, at 2-0, I think this was now also where we needed to, you know, then almost like it comes to the four way, El Nini sort of, you know, that little five year pass, little shimmies to the back, where he does that little uh, high press as well. So then it comes into play where you can actually yeah. now make it. So it's not where, you know, when we are now always moaning about, uh, you know, it's null null and you're still seeing him do this sort of playing and you actually want to drive the team forward. But I mean, this time he played a more position, position, um, position game, looked more disciplined as well. And I mean, of course, he has, the, I mean, we all know he does have the legs to to do a lot of running. So, I mean, it was actually nice to see that control and, and you know, where that cause also came, that, that sort of stranglehold in the game where you could see it's not just a matter of time before, you know, Newcastle are you know, going to have to submit. Yeah, it, it, it was almost like Arsenal playing cat and mouse with them because they knew they had control of the game and Newcastle had to come out to them. It, it, it changed the dynamic, especially getting the second goal because at 1-0, you still kind of you know, susceptible to, to Newcastle, the aerial ball, and Andy Cattle gets to the end of it. So, you know, good move by Tete. His subs at that point, you know, was good at the, like, you know, we always criticize him, but I think at that point it was good to get party off. I mean, he did his job. And, you know, you just slow the game down, but you don't need to, you know, rush passes or anything like that. You know, not, not going to lie to you, no, all listeners, even, but, you know, ever since that time when we drew 4 4 with Newcastle when we were 4 0 up, yeah, at St. James's back in the day. Yeah. I still have that sort of weirdness with Newcastle. I mean, I know we got... I mean, look, we do have a, a good record against him. We normally do give him a tonking. But it's almost like you do know sometimes deep down. It's, it's almost like that one game also when, when Andy Carroll made... I think, I'm not sure if it was his debut for, for Newcastle against us. Was there at the Emirates where he ended up also scoring the, the deciding goal in a, in a game that... Newcastle edged us there at the Emirates 1 0. That's 1 0. Yeah, I remember that. That's the same season as they beat us 1 0. And I think this is like this kind of first Premier League season with Newcastle. I think they got promoted. And then, like you said, that 4 0 win, 
at 4.3, we were 4 0 up, and you know, we were chasing Man United in a title race quite, you know, uh, that would have been crucial three points. But uh, don't forget that Abu Dhabi, like, you know, lost his head, red card, and like you said, the rest is history. Check the mm-hmm. OJ breaking our hearts in the 90th minute with a beautiful strike. So I guess the, the, the guard is always up when you play yeah. Newcastle. So since the minute, um, Cedric does uh, like a fantastic run on the right. I mean, it, it reminded you almost like old school uh, fullbacks of Arsenal. He ends up getting to the byline, and I think he, when he realizes, okay, he can still go on another bit, he ends up skipping past the left hand, uh, left side of defense, uh, defender of, of Newcastle, just just manages to keep the ball in play. 45s as well, and I mean, it sets uh, perfectly up for bombing, just a little, uh, you know, with a to stroke home. 3-0 Arsenal. I think, you know, at, at that point we, we, we were in heaven at the, because, I mean, scoring three goals after two games with the drought at the Everett's seeming like we we free-flowing goal scoring, you know, besides that 0-0, we, we managed to bag three against Chelsea, four against um, West Brom away from home, albeit, but I mean, we started to find the back of the net again. But, you know, it's something you and I mentioned and I uh, the other day also, or a while back, I heard some, like, Akshir also say how entertaining it is not to watch Arsenal because it's almost like we've not, not gone to that level where we're almost like playing, you know, chess, where everything is yeah. cautious, over, overthought, and, I mean, it, it makes the play boring and we end up normally losing by the odd goal. Whereas now, it's more like we will give you a chance, but <clears throat> you can bet your, your, your bottom dollar, as they say, we're going to come at you. Yeah, we're looking better than Liverpool at the moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, next we made a substitution. William that comes on for Aubameyang. Of course, I'm sure there were many living rooms or wherever you were watching, the little groans come out. But, I mean, he actually did do a little bit of something. I mean, nothing to, you know, really write home about. But, I mean, he was actually doing now something, getting a bit more active there. But... I mean, <clears throat> one of my friends mentioned this, and, and I had to chuckle because I mean, it's really true. Because he said William had like ten minutes to do something, and yet he was running around like somebody that ran for eighty minutes. <laughs> because I mean, by the time if you look at eighty-second minute when Martinelli came on for Smith Rowe, Smith Rowe could barely walk. I mean, you could see his legs were gone from all that you know that running. It was off the ball or with the ball he was running. His legs were gone, but. As I said, with William, it always always looks like you know it's, it's a big big effort to do any running. I, I think Pepe's days could be numbered. I mean, you see that. I mean, Martinelli is coming to the fray, so you're gonna ask yourself, you know, where does he fit in? Yeah. So at full time, we move then up to tenth place as we slowly, slowly creeping our way up the table. Hopefully, that momentum can can continue. What's your thoughts with the way we're now doing things now? I think um, the way I take the answer the question, you know, when you asked what's the way forward, I, I didn't think any of us would have said um, start Smith Rowe as a, a attacking midfielder or bring him to the squad. I mean, we were looking outside for Isco or somebody like that. So it's kind of good to see that, you know, and play Saka on the right hand side. And I just think that. The, the, the football become more entertaining and I think like you said by taking more risks you kind of allow the opposition also to have to realize look um, it is a back because if I'm going to attack they could punish us so I think we're installing some sort of fear in teams again and also I think we have that lock pick if teams decide to sit deep all the time 
So yeah, I'm looking forward to see what the season uh, you know continues, and also again the backline combination is going to be interesting. But I still do feel a left back. We need somebody to you know give Tierney uh, a break as well. So like you saw, Bellerin was Cedric. We never missed Bellerin. Mm. So we switch our attention now to the double hit against Southampton. We play them in the FA Cup tomorrow afternoon, or yeah, early kickoff, and then we also play them on Tuesday evening. That's why we just. You know, making it all thing into a little bundle now. Um, you know, it's you know the fourth round fixtures now coming out. Um, then, as I said about the league fixture, then coming the Tuesday night. Um, Hazel, Hazel, the Southampton coach. I mean, he has also made Southampton quite a handful. I mean, look, they've yeah. got a couple of notable wins at at um, where they beat Liverpool and they've beat Everton. I mean, of course, they they've just narrowly also lost against the rest, you know, the top teams. But other than that, they are a threat. They have shown that they got now even more character. And, I mean, they've, they've got almost like a real tough sort of t- a team because, I mean, I'm not going to say, like, say if I can give a sort of comparison uh, there and there about, not to say they play just like that, but at times they do remind me of, they play with a sort of heart that Wimbledon used to do in the past, that, you know, the crazy gang. Because, I mean, they got, you know, the people that get yeah, Vestergaard, um, Romeo and them, they are also key to it that uh, Southampton are where they are right now. And I mean, if you think of also the whole transition of Danny Ings leaving Southampton for for uh, Liverpool, be you know having a torrid torrid time now they, like, when he was in that stint there, and then almost like coming back into Southampton to almost like rejuvenate his career. And I mean, look at now he's almost like he's flying now. And I mean now everybody wants him as a forward. Yeah, Danny Ings is definitely you know the guy to. To sign, I mean, I mean, he would be a good for me personally. I think he could kind of, you know, push number like a jet for that that number nine role. I mean, or give us that option to to have somebody lead the line in the Europa League instead of Nketiah. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, depending, you know, you, you have your left hand side of midfield where you can maybe go a combination of a Bamiang and Martinelli to kind of, you know, rotate, not rotate, but I mean, you know, Martinelli could be his deputy if need be. And and Ings with Lacazette. I mean, there's so many games to go around and then you have Saka and Martinelli could even, okay, we have Pepe that could play that side, but I would maybe even sell Pepe. And then you have Martinelli that could even deputize on that side as well. So you have options. I mean, you see Liverpool got Jota, Premier League ready player and I mean, you can see how they've missed him because when Firmino, Salah, Omane is not fighting, you know you have a reliable guy waiting to come in. Yeah. But I mean, look, so I'm going to the game also with injuries to vital players, um, notably Vestergaard, Obafemi, Redmond, Romeo. And I think the latter three, if I heard correctly this morning, um, Obafemi, Redmond and Romeo might be a risk because... They're not 100% fit, but they said that, you know, they might also want this FA Cup run like Southampton itself. So they might, you know, take the risk and play them because, uh, as I said, they're not 100% fit. So this game could even be too soon for them. I'm a bit worried, though. Like, uh, if you had to give me FA Cup fixtures, I would probably not want to take Southampton. And, you know, if we overcome Southampton, we get Wolves. I mean, it's going to be a very tough game. But Southampton at St. Mary's as well, I mean... That's so not a game that I would have you know, wanted to play back to back, especially. But I'm hoping actually that Hampton is going to go, you know, rest players in this and focus on trying to to get eye up in the Premier League. I mean, my main concern was when you think of the sort of form players that they have, it's it's like Danny Ings, Westergaard, Redmond, and Romeo. Even Walcott. 
and oh yeah, Walcott as well. But the, the problem is actually for them, Vestergaard is the one that keeps everything really on lockdown in that whole defensive line. I mean, they they do have some good that that um, I can't get to that other guy's name that that his partner in defense. Um, but for me, Vestergaard is the one that actually keeps everything, and he's also that that sort of attacking threat every time they have to go up for a corner. So I mean, he is going to be missed if he now is not going to play, because I'm not 100% sure, but I just know the others are, you know, it's a real 50-50 with the others that I mentioned, but, you know, back to Arsenal, uh, for us, it's, it's just, I think, Ceballos, he's also got same problem as Marie, you know, that that, that uh, sore calf, where they're still trying to let it now, it was like fully rest out. But I mean, for me, the team that, that draws first blood um, tomorrow, I think that's also going to have a big, big impact that's going to, you know, when it leads to the Tuesday night fixture. I mean, of course, I know Southampton might do even more changes than, say, what we would. But I think our players are more, you know, everybody is ready, even those that are on the bench that can just slot in immediately. Yeah, I mean, you look, um, Gabriel will probably, you know, slot in at centre-back if he's fit. I mean, Bellerin can, can come back into the team. Your, your, your only issue is, you know, you, you can have a, I mean, I don't know if Marie would be fit, but Gabriel could either play with Luis. And then your 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 left back, you know, that's kind of the only issue because you sometimes have to I mean force play MTN into the ground and you probably have El Nini in the midfield, but who do you partner with? Do you get party some more minutes or do you like maybe rotate party and Chaka in that game to kind of play I, just dog? To say but I won't actually do that much changes because if you think the sort of minds look, Ateta's always played with, with Pip like as a as a yeah. assistant. And I mean, look, you and I used to always start to predict oh, yeah, how Man City would go, and they would just play the strongest team over and over and over. Just maybe make one or two, like, tinker one or two players, but that is it. They will just try to stick to, you know, the, the solid, you know, the team that almost like, gets them the most success. They t- kind of stick with them throughout. And I just think to myself, um, would you now say, let's say we put somebody like Willock in midfield, you know, do no. that? Or... Because yeah, I just think to myself, if you have something like Romeo, I mean, you would eat something like that for breakfast. The same with, with back in the day when, when you and I were talking about Hoiberg when he was at Southampton. Yeah. And what he did with Mr. Ozil, and I mean, that was, I think, it was at that time when they gave us a tonking there at St. Mary's, where Ozil was, was like just about played off the park by Hoiberg. And when everybody else was doing, like Redmond was causing all sorts of problems, either on the left side or on the right side. So that is why, in a way, I'd be actually more feeling more at, 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 like in a, in a comfort zone, not too much, but somewhat, if if I know someone like Redmond and um, Romeo are out. No, no, I agree 100%. I, I'm actually, you know, and it's, it's, it's a bit weird or sad as an Arsenal fan at this point to say this, that you're kind of hoping Southampton you know, turns up with a reserve squad and Arsenal come there, you know, almost, you know, as full thing as possible, but you wonder, you, I mean, Arsenal's front line, I think you know, Pepe will probably get the game. I, I doubt they'll play soccer, you know, another game. Uh, and I think also, you know, do you let Lacazette start or do you let the Bamiang start up front? Because Martinelli could slot in, but then you have a gap on the left-hand side. I mean, do, do we force Nketiah into the team? So, you know, you just wonder how is this team going to play out? Because it's a catch-22. I mean, how would also go as full strength as possible? But then you look at teams that, you know, to Arsenal, go for FA Cup run and kind of jeopardize, not jeopardize, but kind of risk a, a league fixture against Southampton and St. Mary's. I mean, they haven't been easy to take points from even. 
I mean, like my personal take is just keep the the Premier League squad as stable as you can. I think if you want to do, as I said, you want to do any alterations or tweaking in the squad, keep that rather for the Premier League. Uh, sorry for the FA Cup uh, squad. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying go drastic with changes because, like I said, the, the defense, the reading of the defense is now seemingly spot on. The sort of reading of the game down the uh, left and right flanks looks amazing. It's more fluid now. And I think in the, in the middle, you'll say that's all sort of solidity building between someone like Party, someone like Xhaka, and I mean, sometimes when Nenny comes in. So, as I said, I would keep it as is. My, for me, my dilemma, same with you, where you were saying, like, if, if Obama Young spears the attack, would you stick out left? I would probably go Reese Nelson or whatever, but I would not say, okay, to accommodate in Ketia, we're going to do so-and-so changes. I wouldn't do that, because at least Reese Nelson is somebody that will actually drive at somebody with, with running. And he has a bit of, you know, upper body strength, whereas I think Ketia just gets bullied wherever he plays. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I'm just looking at Arsenal's fixtures. I mean, it's Southampton, Southampton, Man United. So, you know, somewhere along the line, you know, some annotation is going to have to be done. And it's probably going to be the FA Cup game. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm the type that some, and, and I know this sounds a bit too weird, but like, you know, I, I would sacrifice sometimes two points, you know, for, for going through, even means, you know, going through to the next round of the, the FA Cup. Not saying that, you know, deliberately I would, but. You know, Arsenal can still win a trophy and like they can make up the points anyway because once you're out the FA Cup, you know, there's no coming back. But that being said, I mean, you know, three points in the Premier League will always probably to most trump everything. So we interesting to see our is thinking for tomorrow. And, you know, I just hope that, you know, we can see a reserve Southampton side and we can get the back-to-back against them. Yeah. So we switch our attention now to the talking point section of the podcast. Um, the first point, uh, Socrates is leaving by a mutual agreement with Arsenal. What was your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's good to see him off the books. I mean, you know, he's not that he's ever been a good servant to the club, but I think it's just a, a sad, also like a kind of a sour taste or bitter taste of how things ended with him at Arsenal. You know, was he came in, I think he was one of the players I was excited about when he came in the, his first season at the Emre. And I thought even maybe Koscielny could could have built something solid at the back. But I don't know what happened the moment Arteta came. I just think Socrates was never going to... to he never just kind of fitted in with Arteta. And I wonder if he even had, you know, a pasta for the coach even. But I think it was also down to, you know, the sort of strong characters. Look, he's some... Not, I wouldn't say it's just strong character, but I think he's a very strong world person. And I think when, when you have also people that are, you know, when they start choosing sides and that between, say, player and coach, and I think it does also make it difficult for, say, somebody that's new to coaching like Arteta now, like, as a, a manager now. So I, I think it was also better, you know, for that sort of character to leave. But also... Leads me to another second point. Arteta, remember, I told you a few weeks back, and the listeners as well, that Arteta said there's almost like a mole at the club that's like leaking info to the press. Yeah. And yesterday in the press conference, he said like he's got like a good idea who it was. And then, of course, the the journalists were now you know trying to do that whole fishing expedition thing. So they were now asking him, so does that, are you trying to say now it's coming from you know, the players that now left, one of the players that now left recently. 
So he, Arteta just smiled and he said no comment. So I got the feeling it, it probably does come down to that. He's actually one of that, you know, the guys that have left that, that were the ones now leaking info to the press. You know, I actually thought it was David Luiz at some point in the rumors. Was, uh, you know, I just had this anger towards David Luiz eventually. Like, it was weird because, like, I used to, I, I like David Luiz, like, you know, when, yes, I sometimes wrote about him, but there's just something about him that I liked. And then when I thought, because there was rumors going around that he was the, even at a bus stop with Arteta and he's not speaking and he's the, the mole. So I just felt like, you know, this anger towards Luiz, but it was like now, for some reason, I just feel that it wasn't him now, and I just feel a bit calm towards him. Yeah, and then of course, um, we point number three on like was we now have been linked, linked to midfielders like Odengard and Buendia. You know, I think it's more down the lines of thinking of, of cover for um Smith Rowe, but I don't think. Uh, you know, the more person I look at the, the you know, scenarios now, I think Odengard makes actually more sense because, look, he's still trying to find his way in that Madrid squad. Look, he had a fantastic uh, season at, at Sociedad last year, last season. And, I mean, I, I watched quite a bit of, of Sociedad games and actually enjoyed his way of playing because it reminds me also, you know, somewhat of what we now see with Smith Rowe, like, you know, off the ball running, caused all sorts of problems. And, I mean, uh, uh, Odengard was also part of the pro- the... the that, that with a mastermind in their win against Real Madrid last season, when they beat him 4-3 and, and Sergio Ramos lost his shit with... Uh, this was at uh, the, um, the Bernabeu, where they actually got mugged there by Sociedad, where they beat him 4-3. And everybody, you know, I think he got major, major plaudits for that game because he was actually key to linking up everything from the midfield to the attack. Yeah, I think he'd be a good player. I mean, you know, who knows? I'm not saying we sign him permanently because that's a possible loan move. But, you know, who knows? He, he, they could maybe form, and I know this is a bit far-fetched, but, you know, the Chevy and Iniesta type of midfielders together because they're both ball-playing ball midfielders yes. and, and can kind of, you know, have the legs to do tackling and attack. And, I mean, you can even have a, a Xhaka sometimes or a party behind him to kind of, you know, kind of bodyguard them. So yeah. it'll be an interesting signing six months to see, you know, what he can do at the club. And, you know, who knows? Maybe he starts to fall in love with it. Because, I mean, Seba Yostas also seem like he wants to go back to Madrid eventually. Because, I mean, I think with Buendia, I mean, he's a fantastic player. But, and, I mean, he's also the reason that, that Norwich finds himself top of the perch in, in the championship. But I just think to myself, I don't, I don't think... Norwich would want to miss now with this squad, you know, like no. somebody to leave when they, you know, really flying high now in the league. And, that, and I think probably once they, you know, wrap up promotion and things like that, then I think they'll probably think, okay, if a, a huge offer comes in, because I think they, they would want, probably want big, you know, big bucks for, for Buendia when, he, when, when the season is over, if, you know, if they are open to the option of him leaving. But I mean, Arsenal could also say, look, we'll, I mean, of course, it's not just, my talk, but uh, you know, we you make a, a bit of say 30, 35, or you know, something close to 40. But then you say, okay, you can have Willock and and maybe Reese Nelson to help you on your because look, they, they didn't have that Premier League experience as well. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, you can even come like you know, a gentleman's agreement with Norwich now and say, like, you know, we, we won't maybe even loan Ketia to them this season or like maybe an 18 months um, loan spell, or you know, you. Just so that you say, okay, you can have Nketiah and maybe Nelson now, or Nketiah and then Nelson at the end of the season for a loan. 
Yeah. But they just give us for a day when, when the season yeah. ends. So like you're kind of giving the players now to kind of get them over the line. But you must have that deal with them already. You know, where when the season's done, he becomes you know, an Arsenal player. And, you know, you guys get to keep Nelson and get here for that season. And, you know, Arsenal can decide you know, what you want to do with the two players as well. And then I think a final bit of news, something that you really surprised me with about a few hours, <laughs> which I did not not take note. Uh, with Matty Ryan joining us from Brighton on, on a six-month loan. Yeah, it was actually, you know, it just popped onto Instagram. I was like, huh? I, I did not expect, you know, we were talking about the keeper and, you know, Matt Ryan was never somebody that, you know, he's always been a consistent keeper, you know, in the in the Premier League. But, like, for some reason, for some, we always talk about Brighton's defenders, you know, that Duffy and Dunk. But all of a sudden, you know, Matt Ryan, and I, I think he's a, a very good number two. He's still young. He's he's only turning twenty nine um, on the eighth of April. So it's it's like if it comes well, I mean, who knows? Maybe he could dip it. I mean, I would test him in in a lot of games. Yeah, but I mean, you say he's still young at twenty nine, but this is not because you are twenty nine, and you don't want to say it's like hitting the thirty mark. So. <laughs> Well, well, I'm he's a year younger than me, so I'll be hitting that 30 mark, unfortunately, while he still turns 29 on the same day, must have, I might add. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's a good signing for, for, for Arsenal. And I think, you know, I'll be a good um, FA Cup run with him so he can slot in and, you know, take on from there, maybe add some silverware to it. And I think, what as you mentioned now, it's also nice to also have not somebody with you know, Premier League experience, and yes. even 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 like uh, you know, Championship experience, because that is where most goalkeepers, most goalkeepers also toughened up. And I think he yeah. knows, like you know, he can handle himself well in the game. He's not going to be bullied and stuff like that in games. And yeah, I fully agree with you with all your remarks you made about him. Yeah, yeah let's just hope you know, good like I said, a good cup run, and we can see him, you know, getting yeah. us along the way. So. Good signings, and hopefully we still have some time for a few more. I just hope we can bolster the squad. I think for me, you know, hopefully by the podcast next week, I'm telling you that we have a good left back, another deputy, you know, almost like a Matt Ryan to, 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 you know, to Leno, like a T. Someone can put it like that for Tierney, and then yeah, just another guy to deputize Smith Rowe as well, because I mean, you don't want to have him injured and then you know back to square one again. Yeah, I mean, it would be good to have a, a I think a good alternate to Kieran Tierney because. Then at least you're not messing too much with the squad, you know, yeah. balance when you, you know, you're not just throwing in somebody that's, that's not really a natural left back. Because I think we do need somebody natural to play at that side. No, I definitely agree with you. And I think, like you mentioned, before we end, like, just like you mentioned, like, it would be nice to have that kind of, you know, you take two players out of the squad, rotate, put another two players in, but that, that transition is like so seamless that you wouldn't even say you took two players out. So I think that's what we need to strive to get. Obviously, it's a bit difficult keeping the squad happy, but I mean, Smith Rowe, if he plays two out of five, every five games, two of every three, four games, he's not going to complain, he's still young. So, you know, hopefully we can get that depth right and get that squad right. Yeah. And with that, we in the podcast. We hope you have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy all the FI Cup games. It's going to be a cracker this weekend. Take care. Bye. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. Hopefully, we know we're talking about the fifth round tie and beating Salem to twice. <laughs>